an ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Hey everybody, Dr. Lisa here. So I just finished recording this interview with Sarah Felipe, and it is brilliant. I absolutely loved it. It was so eye-opening for me, and I hope it is for a lot of you. I've seen something over the course of the last few years that I had a lot of friends that had breast implants and had a lot of undiagnosed illnesses that were going on that they couldn't figure out what was happening whether it was just chronic fatigue, whether it was hair loss, whatever it was, maybe some thyroid issues or autoimmune issues. But Sarah Filippi really deep dives into the breast implant illness that is out there now and then talks about explanting. Maybe you've never had implants. I never had implants, but I just know a lot of friends that did and that they were suffering. And so she just shares some information. So maybe it's not necessarily pertinent to you, but maybe it's pertinent to somebody else in your life that might be struggling and can't seem to find any results of anything. So it's great information. Take a listen, share it out. I think you're really going to love it. Hey there, Rockstar. I'm Dr. Lisa Olszewski. I'm so glad you're here. I know you've been struggling for a while trying to figure out why things just aren't changing. I've been there. I get you. I see you. I know how hard you're trying. I'm here to let you know that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm here to teach you the simple steps to becoming that healthy, vibrant you. Are you ready? Let's do this. Well, hello, everybody. I am Dr. Lisa Olszewski. Over here to my side is a wonderful guest, and I'm so excited to have her here with us. This is Sarah Felipe. She has a phenomenal story, and I think it is something that all women need to hear because it's something I've seen all over social media over the course of maybe the last two to three, maybe four years that people are talking about it. But Sarah has her own amazing story of health and healing. It brought her to become a registered nurse and then a certified functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. She works with the True Cellular Detox Program, and she's going to share with you today about breast implant explants, etc., the breast implant illness, and she is an amazing expert. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here. I would love to have you share your story with the audience because I can bet this is going to resonate with a Mm -hmm. lot of women out there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my story really starts when I was pretty young and a really important person in my life who I'm still very, very close to said to me that I was going to be 4'11", just like her, but not to worry because I'll have the Johnson boobs. (laughs) So this really set the stage for me early in my childhood that it was important that body image was so important that how how we look is so important so it set the stage for me to believe that in order to be beautiful a woman lovable and worthy that i needed large breasts um and that if i didn't have them that i should be worried you know it was that phrase don't worry you'll have the johnson foods that that really led me down that belief system So that eventually, you know, fast forward a couple of decades later, (laughs) I was really, really into fitness and wanting to really push my body to become the most fit I've ever been. And so, you know, with that came that push for breast implants. And it was really about achieving a certain look rather than, you know, a health goal. So I had finally made that decision and and took that leap and got my breast implants that I'd always really wanted because I didn't develop the way this person in my life said I would. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, 
And so it really definitely had a negative impact on my self-esteem, my, my self-worth, and I struggled with it. It was an area that that was just, I was really self-conscious about. Um, so I did, I got my breast implants and probably within six months or so, I started developing chronic symptoms. And at the time I was working as a nurse in conventional medicine. And as I started developing these symptoms of hypothyroid and Hashimoto's, like they were things like hair loss and dry skin and acne, weight loss resistance. So I was gaining weight very easily and having a hard time losing it bloatings, puffiness, my eyes were, and my face were super puffy all of the time, fatigue, really, really um, intense fatigue. I looked for conventional, looked to conventional medicine for help and answers and never really got any. The conventional medical model just really couldn't help me. So it was really about um, looking at my lab work and saying, oh, everything looks normal. You probably just need to go and see a therapist, (laughs) which is what a lot of women hear. Yeah. And so that kind of took me down this path of away from conventional medicine and realizing that I really needed to figure this out on my own. I was going to be alone in this. You know, I wasn't going to get help from my doctors. And so this was your profession that you were in. And this is yeah. what you're doing every day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, the most hope they could offer me was just slapping a, a medication on it, you know, and that's just really a Band-Aid. So I was looking for, I wanted to know why, and that's what I continue to always ask is why that's so important um, in really discovering the root cause of of issues with your health. Um, And so I continued to get a lot worse before I ever got better. Um, You know, I started developing uh, GI symptoms like gas and bloating and pain and um, diarrhea and constipation. My periods became very abnormal. Um, I had insomnia. I had night sweats, I had irritability and heart palpitations and anxiety, social anxiety. I couldn't tolerate chemical smells, bright lights, loud sounds. And at the time I was working in a big teaching hospital with lots of people and it was very loud. And I just wanted to like jump out of my body and like go hide under a rock. (laughs) It was, it was torture. And so, you know, my nervous system was just so overstimulated. Um, I, learned that I had lots of different um, opportunistic organisms overgrown like candida and bacterial um, dysbiosis. I ended up having SIBO and um, uh, diagnosed with Lyme disease, chronic Lyme disease, parasites and all of that. So um, I did eventually find someone who was able to help me somewhat, but still didn't think that my breast implants were a problem. And so I kept down this road of trying to treat the symptoms really um, rather so how than many addressing that, that you were suffering, mm. like how many years I mean, were you just dealing with all of this, all the symptoms? Oh, probably a good five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I sort of had a little bit of intuition that this might be, I, I wondered if it might be my breast implants, but there was just no information out there, um, yeah. to back up that, that intuition. And so I didn't trust my intuition and it took me a very long time to get to the point of deciding to explant. But, um, but it, you know, it was good because it, it led me down the path of, of um, becoming a holistic health practitioner. And that's really the approach that is successful at getting your health back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, you know, addressing the root cause. So for me, it got, I got to a point where I was not able to get pregnant after trying for a couple of years and um, dis- uh, discovered that I had stage four endometriosis involving my bowel and my reproductive organs. Um, and so 
the other thought in my head was, you know, if this is how this is impacting me, these breast implants, I'm wondering, you know, how is this going to impact a child? Even if I were to get pregnant, you know, how is this going to impact the health of my child? And so really worried and concerned about that aspect and feeling like, oh my gosh, you know, I I would just never be able to forgive myself. (laughs) If knowing, knowing that this is an issue and not doing something about it. Um, So that was really what, it um, led me to make that decision of getting my breast implants removed. And then I ended up needing a second surgery to have all that endometriosis removed. Um, So it didn't stop at the explant, but that was kind of that first step for me. And it is, it's kind of getting to that root cause because you could have went in for the endometriosis stuff, but if it was still coming from the implants, how long, you know, how often do you have to continuously go back for routine surgeries and surgeries and surgeries, right? So it is adjusting. Um, Mm -hmm. so why are these problematic? Because Mm -hmm. I know some women, um, may not be experiencing any issues with them, but other women may totally be, but let's just go through, um, let's talk about what's in them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so breast implant illness, I guess, is just a term we call, you know, this generalized collection of symptoms that women end up developing and it can look different from person to person, but the way that they are a stressor on the body is first that they're a physical stressor as a foreign object. So they are constantly stimulating the immune system, um, triggering inflammatory cytokines. Um, You know, this is really an overactive immune system that we end up seeing. And that eventually results in the immune system becoming a bit tired and dysregulated. And so as as that happens, it ends up leading to a muted immune system. And then that eventually leads to inability to fight off pathogens. And that can result in overgrowths of opportunistic organisms like I saw in myself and I see in so many women. So you end up seeing things like bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, um, fungal overgrowth, viruses, parasites, all those things, which are allowed to kind of grow unchecked by the immune system, as well as getting diagnoses like like Lyme disease and Hashimoto's. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And you can end up with reactivation of old dormant, you know, infections as well that become a problem again, like Epstein-Barr. And so one thing I often see um, on testing is a really depressed secretory IgA, which is your gut's first line of defense. Um, It's your first line of defense against pathogens entering your body. So that is really low oftentimes. And so of course, your body is vulnerable to all these infections. You know, your body's not going to bat for you anymore. Um, so, you know, we don't have a lot of studies about breast implants, but when we look under the hood, we're seeing the damage that's being done. Yeah. Um, and so that is um, really telling us that the immune system can't fight anymore. And so that leaves us really, de- um, the gut, it leaves the gut really defenseless against foreign invaders. And then it's such second, a huge portion of our immune system. <laughs> I know it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like 60 or 70% of our immune system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So secondly, the breast implants are a chemical stressor. So they are full of things like, you know, cytotoxic, neurotoxic, and carcinogenic, carcinogenic chemicals. So um, these things are really inflammatory to our cells and our tissues and our organs and breast implants, especially, you know, silicone breast implants are made up of 40 different toxic chemicals and heavy metals. So this is, you know, information you can find on the FDA website. If you were to look this up, it's no secret. 
Um, this is things like methyl ketone, cyclohexone, phenol, um, acetone, xylene. So those are neurotoxins. And then you have things like um, toluene, benzene, uh, dichloromethane, which are carcinogens. And then you have things like formaldehyde, lacquer thinner, talcum powder, um, metal cleaning acid, printing ink. So, you know, what, what is the point of all of these in breast implants? What, right. what do we need metal cleaning acid for? <laughs> right, exactly. Talcum powder. I'm thinking of the lawsuits that we're seeing everywhere right now, right? Right, like- right. <laughs> and, then, and then you have heavy metals. So there's aluminum and tin and lead and platinum in breast implants and all of these things add up. And that's in addition to the silicone, which is actually considered an adjuvant connected to certain autoimmune conditions. So it, that means it's a trigger for autoimmune conditions to develop. And so it's really a chemical soup that's, that's in our bodies that we're exposed to on a daily basis. Um, and so these toxins can feed unwanted organisms. They, the organisms that are um, pathogenic in our body can use toxins like this to create their biofilm around them to protect themselves. So it's a very complicated picture, um, but, but it's one that can definitely be addressed. <laughs> right. Yes. So how can somebody, um, if they figure out that this is going on with them, when do they decide to have explants? How do they decide to have explants? Um, Mm -hmm. where do they go? (laughs) Yeah. So I definitely think it's important to do, you know, some of your own research to make sure that you feel like this is the right decision for you. Um, there's a lot of information out there these days on, on various different platforms. Um, like I said, we don't really have any studies because the studies that were done originally on breast implants and the safety were done so short term and we're done in animal models. Um, and so we don't really have human studies. Um, and then as far as, you know, if you feel ready to make that decision to explant, you really need to make sure you do your, your due, gel, excuse me, due diligence <laughs> about finding a surgeon who can properly perform the right the safest explant procedure, which is an on-block explant. So what that means is that the implants themselves and the capsule around them are removed intact together as one unit rather than being cut open and removing the implant um, and then taking the capsule out afterward. And a lot of the times... It's easy to to think that that's a possibility that they would cut them open. Yeah. And it's very common. That's standard procedure. And actually a standard procedure is to leave the capsule in, is to not remove the capsule at all, to leave it behind. And so a lot of times women will actually go in for their explant surgery to just have them removed once and for all. And they'll have like two, three, four capsules, depending on how many repeat surgeries they've had. (laughs) Um, So the reason it's so important to have on block explant is because if they were to cut open the capsule and you had a rupture, all of that toxic material or even infected material can leak out and just go flooding throughout your body. And you're, you have so much dense lymphatic tissue around your breasts that it would end up traveling throughout the lymphatic tissue and throughout your whole body for that matter. So it's really important to prevent yourself from that exposure and protect yourself to have it done, have them removed safely and properly with an on block removal. Besides that, if there is capsule left behind that 
you know, wasn't removed during the on block, the little specks of capsule that can get stuck to the ribs or other parts of your body, like muscle and fat tissue, um, that needs to be removed as well. Because if it's left behind, it can continue to stimulate the immune system, continue to stimulate inflammation in the body, and that can prevent your true, your complete healing. Okay. All right. So do they go back to the person that put them in? I don't recommend it because most of the time, you know, the surgeon that put your implants in is not going to believe in breast implant illness. You know, that's also their bread and butter. So they're not going to be jumping at the opportunity to acknowledge that there's a problem there. Um, And there are a lot of surgeons who do believe in breast implant illness and are actually not even doing implants, implant placement anymore. All they're doing is explant and that has become their practice. So those are the types of surgeons that I would um, that I would recommend. Um, and there's lots of, well, there's a couple of different websites actually that will, um, be really helpful for, um, finding a surgeon that you feel comfortable with. And so there's a website, breastimplantillness.com has a great list and they keep those lists up to date based on, you know, lots of different patients, their experience, what they've learned about the surgeons. And these surgeons have the top rated surgeons for explant have done thousands of explants. So these aren't surgeons who are just doing one here and there. They're experts. How about, does every woman end up with symptoms? Um, So that's a, a tricky question because I don't think that the breast implants are the only root cause to why women with breast implants are sick or some women with breast implants are sick. Um, I think that there's um, a series of stressors that kind of come together to create this perfect storm situation and breast implants are just part of that picture. So it could be that, you know, someone had um, maybe some childhood trauma and then maybe um, had mercury mountain fillings placed in their mouths. So that's a huge source of toxicity and then eventually got breast implants and maybe that's the trigger for them. And they started developing symptoms right away that I've seen that. Um, and then it could be the other way around where someone got breast implants earlier in life, didn't have any issue with them, has had them for decades with no problem. And then eventually down the road, more stressors add up to, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and it, at that point, once your body is dysregulated and dysfunctional, um, and you develop a lot of symptoms, there's, it really, the approach needs to be addressing all forms of stress on the body, not just the breast implants. Although at that point they are a problem and do need to be removed, but other sources of stress also need to be looked for and addressed properly. So if you don't have symptoms now, I would caution you to not wait until you do develop symptoms down the road. Cause I think it's just a matter of time. I think they're a ticking time bomb. And so at some point, maybe you'll um, get to a point where your body does, you know, experience this perfect storm event where you do start experiencing symptoms and why wait, you know, exactly. Right. And it's all, I mean, we are living in um, so many chemicals now. You know, I always just think of, you know, as the chiropractor, they're always talking about, well, back in so-and-so's day, I'm like, yeah, but, you know, our society now is not what it used to be a hundred years ago. We are exposed to so much more yeah. toxicity. So yeah. it takes a lot less for us to have that straw that breaks the camel's back at this point, right? Absolutely. We have our tipping point can become so much sooner. Absolutely. So what about those that have saline solution mm. instead? Yeah. So silicone is what I've kind of focused on, but saline does have its own problems. It does have a silicone shell. So there's that aspect of um, it triggering autoimmunity. Um, And then, you know, they are um, placed 
empty, and then they have a one-way valve that's used to fill the implant with a saline solution. Um, and that valve is supposed to allow fluid to only go in, not out. Um, but the valve over time can become dysfunctional or damaged, you know, if there's a car accident or some kind of chest trauma, um, or they could be malfunctional um, upon implantation. You know, not every product is put into the body perfect, perfectly designed. So um, once that valve is dysfunctional or damaged, then fluid can come in and out. And so what we're seeing um, when women are explanting who have saline implants is that um, sometimes there's black mold growing inside the implant. And so if you're exposed to mold in the environment, in your home or your workplace, which a lot of us are, um, that, imp that can actually colonize the implant. And you can be living literally with mold inside your body day after day after day, and you cannot escape it. So that is another problem is that you, you're, you know, you're exposed to all these different types of pathogens in addition to mold that can start actually growing. It's like a Petri dish. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah it's, uh, that is, it's crazy to me. Like I'm just thinking of the toxicity level of mold and to know that it could be physically growing in your body like yeah and those so. releasing mycotoxins you know every day mm. 24 7 <laughs> and then does it, i'm assuming it's leaching too like the, those that have silicone implants just leach within it's not yeah. always just staying within the capsule yeah you don't yeah. have to have a rupture for it to be for silicone to be problematic um the gummy bear implants have been thought you know um in recent past to be safe because they're not liquid and so if they did rupture they wouldn't leak throughout the whole body like we used to see with the dow corning implants um but really truly you know these implants um have been shown to start bleeding their contents into the body from day one because they were not tested at body temperature um, and at body temperature, you know, you're heating that up. It's like heating up plastic. <laughs> you know, those toxic chemicals just start chemicals just start to bleed into the body. So many of us have eliminated the plastics out of our lives, or trying to. You know what I mean from our cookware and all of that type of stuff. And then some, we might not be thinking of what's internal in her body. So yeah. once they have explants done, where do they go? Like, what do they do next? What are some things of regaining health at that point? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of focus on, on detoxing after explant, which I think is a huge, uh, it's a really important factor. But, you know, we first need to start laying the foundation of a healthy lifestyle first. Um, I think that's really crucial. Um, so, you know, um, drinking clean water, breathing clean air, um, you know, reducing the toxicity we're exposed to in all of our personal care and home care products. Um, so reducing the load on our body that we're dealing with every day, making sure that, you know, our liver and our kidneys are well supported and working well, um, making sure we're having regular bowel movements every day, because if you're not pooping, you're not detoxing anyway. So, um, just reabsorbing back into the body. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then really working on supporting your methylation, which is such a huge part of detoxification, um, and glutathione production and supporting energy production at the cellular level because it's so energy expensive to, to, de to do a deeper detox. Um, and so all those different pathways need to be supported before you start actively using really strong binders to go in and pull out heavy metals. But that is a really important next step. Um, is to really address what's stored in the body. And, you know, we store toxins, whatever our liver can't acutely deal with, we store in our fat and in our bone. And so, um, you know, we have tons and tons of toxins that are building up in our tissues. And um, 
So that toxicity, that detoxification process is really important. It's also important to look for other sources of hidden stress in the body that need to be addressed. Um, so like I said, it's not just about the implants or just about the explant. It's also about addressing infections. So things like parasites and candida and dysbiosis, things, are just, things that are dysregulating your immune system and stealing your nutrients and things like that. So, um, you know, going on a bug killing spree is not what I'm recommending. We need to really make sure we're addressing, you know, the terrain within your body as well so that these things can't thrive there. Um, mm -hmm. um, and that's part of, you know, part of that is really detoxing. Um, so these things kind of go hand in hand. Um, but then also addressing things like different types of traumas in your life. So that's another source of stress that is a root cause level stressor that I see. And it's often a big blocking factor to healing because most people aren't considering those types of stress and how that keeps you in fight or flight. Um, and when you're in fight or flight, you really can't heal. So addressing any past mental, emotional stressors, um, physical uh, injuries that haven't healed properly, things like that, that can create chronic inflammation in the body. So we kind of just have to look at you as a whole person, um, address all the aspects of you and your life and how you're living and, um, and you know, reduce enough of that stress on the body so that it can get back to a place of normal function. I love it. Absolutely. Like mind, body, spirit, focusing mm -hmm. on all of it for true healing. Thank yeah. you, Sarah. So informative. Share with the <laughs> audience where they can find out some more information or about you, what, what your website, social, all that good stuff. Yeah. So my website is reversingbreastimplantillness.com. Um, you can find me on social media on Instagram and Facebook with the same reversingbreastimplantillness.com. Well, thank you so much. It was so informative and I know it's going to I'm sure there's a lot of women that you just like spoke directly to them. So thank you so much. Of course. I'm happy to. And thanks for having me. All content provided by Dr. Lisa Olszewski and her guests and her programs, including this podcast, her website, summits, and other platforms is for educational and informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of your physician or another qualified health provider before you make any changes to your health routine, especially related to this content. Ask your physician questions about medical conditions. No statement has been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products mentioned or discussed in these programs are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.